Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. power that's in this place here today. 2 Corinthians 3 and 17 says, Now the Lord is that spirit where the spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. Aren't you thankful there's liberty that we can raise our hands and we can be blessed. We can open our hearts and we can receive. We can allow the spirit of God to touch, to heal, to empower, to equip whatever we need from him. Well, somebody ought to shout hallelujah. 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 It's a privilege to be back in Hatchbend. We love all of you so very much. Grateful for this church. Holds a special place in our hearts. We give honor to Pastor and Sister Boyd in their absence. And didn't we hear a tremendous message in Sunday school by Brother Osborne? He took the blame for us. Happy that my wife is with me and little Shiloh. He is making his presence known very early into service. Love my family. If you have your Bibles, we're going to open and read from the book of Psalms. Psalm 30, and we're going to begin at verse number 2. And we're going to read down to verse number 5. Psalm 30, verse number 2. As you're turning there, there was a young father that had been away on business like he had been so many times before. And at home, he had a young son waiting for him. And this young boy had asked his mother over and over again, when is dad coming home? About the time mom's about to have a nervous breakdown, when's dad coming home? She said, just just give him a little while longer. So this boy was pacing the floor back and forth and finally heard the keys jangling outside the door. Opened the door up and he ran and embraced his father. Gave him a great big hug. About the time dad came through the door, he said, Dad, can you play with me? Dad was exhausted and been driving in the car and in meetings all day long. He said, just give me a few minutes. Let me put my feet up and I'll play with you. Went over to the big easy chair in the living room and sat down and standing right beside him was his boy just watching him. About the time he put his legs up, his son asked him a question. He said, Dad, I need to know something. He said, "Uh, how much money do you make an hour? His dad said, well, that's not a very appropriate question to ask somebody. And besides that, I can't really explain to you how much I get paid an hour because I travel and I have to prepare and prep. He said, but if you want to know a dollar amount, if I'm working on the job, not including all the time beginning and ending, I make maybe $100 an hour. 
I said, oh, okay, and ran to his room. Dad just thought, I don't know what that was about. Closed his eyes for a minute, and just a few minutes later, his son came running right back through, tapped his dad on the shoulder. He said, yeah, what is it? He said, do you think I could borrow $20? He said, that's why you want to know how much money I made. You want some video game or toy. You want $20, what for? He said, well, I ran into my room, got my piggy bank, had $80. Thought if I borrow $20 from you, I'll pay you $100. You could spend an hour playing with me. No, oh, talk about melting your heart. So today I'm not asking for an hour. I'm just asking for 30 minutes, all right? Just give me 30 minutes. Psalm 30, verse number 2 says, O Lord my God, I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive. Thou shalt not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. For his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy cometh in the morning. I want to preach to us today on this subject. It made me cry, but it didn't make me quit. It made me cry, but it didn't make me quit. Can we lift our hands to the Lord? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, your presence is already in this place. God, you have anointed the singers and the musicians. You have anointed the Sunday school lesson. God, now we are asking for you to anoint this word of God. Anoint the congregation to receive it. And we're going to praise and thank you in advance for what's getting ready to transpire in our midst. God, we pray in the name that's above every other name. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Well, life is a roller coaster full of experiences. It can seem at times that you are climbing never ending hills. Then, without warning, there are sudden drops that can leave you stunned and shocked and even speechless. There are twists and turns along the way. And at times you're left wondering if I'm upside down or I'm right side up. That is life. There are moments when you can experience unbelievable happiness. Times that you sit back and think to yourself, it just can't get any better than this. And yet there are other times times that you feel like you have been plunged into the most dreadful, discouraging, and disappointing place that could ever exist. Maybe somebody today, you can relate to what I'm preaching, but you've been in a place of darkness and depression. Maybe there was a time in your life that you wondered if there's ever going to be any light at the end of the tunnel. I just can't keep going the same way that I'm going. It's been said before that life isn't fair. 
And if life hasn't been unfair to you yet, you haven't lived long enough. Life can take you by surprise. It can catch you off guard. It can knock you off the track that you're on. All it takes is a moment, just the blink of an eye. Jobs can be lost. Diseases can be diagnosed. Loved ones can be taken. And you are left wondering, I can't take this any longer. I know that I'm not the only one that when you were by yourself and no one else was around uh, questioning, why is this happening to me? Why is this allowed to take place in my life and in my family and in my home and in my health and in my finances? Why is this happening to me? You may not realize it, but you're surrounded today by individuals that know what it's like firsthand to scream out in agony, questioning and wondering, how is this going to end? How can this get any better? Just find somebody with a few decades under their belt and they'll tell you firsthand that life doesn't always go the way you plan. Life doesn't always go the way you desire. Life doesn't always go the way you orchestrate it to go. See, it was back in 1968, Mexico City. Men and women from all over the world gathered together to participate in the Olympic Games. Some had traveled great distances, and there was an expectation and an anticipation so the torch had been lit. The pomp and the pageantry had begun. People had come to see the most gifted athletes on the planet. It came time for the marathon to begin. The fans had filled the stands. The reporters were watching every single solitary second of this epic race. So the runners had begun. They're running with every ounce of energy in them, giving it everything that they had. But early on in the race, as they were turning one of the very first corners, there was a collision that took place. Two of the runners stumbled over each other. And when they hit the ground, it sent an accident through all of the runners, one right after another, they began to fall on top of each other. John Stephen of Tanzania came at the very end. And when he fell, there was not anybody underneath him. And so when he fell, his shoulder smashed into the ground. His leg was gashed open and his knee was completely dislocated. And so it was then that the emergency medical team came rushing onto the field trying to treat all of the runners, trying to care for all of the injuries. One right after another, they were taking these runners off the field. And with this gurney just a few feet away, they got a hold of Mr. Stephen, and they began to put him on this gurney. When the unthinkable took place, this runner from Tanzania waved off the assistance. I don't know what you want us to do. We can't leave you in this state. He shocked the crowd when he got up and he continued to run. How 
how is this even possible? His leg completely mangled and injured and the other knee on the other leg was completely dislocated. And he ran ever so slowly that by the time he crossed the finish line, the winner had been announced over an hour earlier. By the time he finished this race, the fans had all but left and all the reporters were gone except for one. One lone reporter had stayed behind. He wanted to ask this man the question, why did he keep running? And just as soon as he crossed the finish line there, the reporter stood. He could still see the grimace on this man's face. The tears were still warm streaming down. and He was in a terrible amount of pain. And when this reporter approached him, he asked him the question. He said, Sir, when you were injured back at the very beginning of the race, I need to ask you, why didn't you quit? You knew you could not win. It was certain. There was without question. It was sure that you would not be able to wear the gold, the silver, or the bronze. Why didn't you just let them carry you off the field when the injury took place? And this runner paused for a moment and then responded. He said, my country did not send me to start the race, but to finish the race. My country did not send me to start the race, but to finish the race. Oh, the dream of wearing that gold medal had long disappeared. The vision that had ran over in his mind over and over again, standing up on the podium when the lights were flashing and he was carrying that flag, had all but vanished. The only thing that was real was the pain that was so mind-numbing. Yet there was something in him. There was a tenacity somewhere that he said to himself, I may have cried, but I'm not going to quit. And if I could preach to anybody this morning, it's this, that we're not denying that the pain in your life isn't real. We're not dismissing the fact that life can be tough. Life can be turbulent. Life can be trying. But when all is said and done, and when the dust finally settles, we have to be willing to square our shoulders, stand up and lift our head up high, open up our mouth and said, I may have cried, but I did not quit. There has to be something deep down in the depths of our soul that says I went through the most trying time of my life. I lived out a nightmare in real time. I didn't think it was ever going to get better. I didn't think the darkness was ever going to end. I didn't think the morning was ever going to come. But I, even though I cried, I didn't quit. He could have never envisioned himself hiding in a cave. It wasn't supposed to be like this. No, his life was supposed to be drastically different but now he's afraid every day when he wakes up every step that he takes every moment that he lives he has to watch his back because there is somebody ready to take his life 
And to make matters worse, the man that wants him dead is the king of Israel named Saul. David now is left in this cave, isolated and by himself, fearful that this could be the moment my life could be snatched away from me. This could be the day my journey journey finally comes to an end. But David had to think to himself, I thought the days of living in the shadows were over. I didn't think that I would keep going through this pain. Didn't know I would have to keep crying these tears. Didn't know I'd still be living in the shadows all those years ago. See, David went down on the battlefield as a young man, delivering some food to his brothers. At the instruction of his father, he had a cheese tray. He was running a side job for Uber Eats, trying to deliver some food and make a little money on the side. Delivered all this food to his brothers. And yet, when he got out on the battlefield, he heard this giant talking. He was mocking. He was ridiculing. He was belittling the people of God. David couldn't believe what he was hearing with his ears and seeing with his eyes. Turned to his brothers and said, who is this man? Why hasn't there been anybody challenge him? I I just can't stand idly by. It was David's brother that spoke up and said, now David, you need to relax for a minute. Turned to the soldiers nearby and said, now this is just my youngest brother, David. He's come down to see the battle because he's just inquiring. He's come down in the naughtiness of his heart. He just wants to get a peek at the battle that's raging. Don't pay any attention to my youngest brother, David. He cares for my father's few sheep. He couldn't just say sheep. He had to put that line in there saying, but daddy only trusts him with a few sheep. He only cares for a few. You know, some people are professional at tearing others down. They know how to grab the sword and stick it and turn it to make you feel like you're so small. And this man was no exception. He knew exactly what to say to get under his brother's skin. He knew exactly what to say and how to say it to make his brother feel so out of place. This was a man that had been looked past by his father, looked down on by his brothers, and then not even considered by the soldiers. David, uh, he had lived this through his younger years, but he thought all of that changed, specifically on that day when he walked out on the battlefield with a sling and five stones, when everybody else was too timid and afraid. David was the one that walked out on the battlefield. See, true heroes are not seen in times when everything is good, but true heroes rise to the occasion when everything's going wrong. David was the one that walked out on the battlefield and said, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast to fight. 
David said, I may not be the sharpest, I may not be the smartest, and I may not be the strongest, but I got somebody that works with me and for me and on the behalf of me. He was the one that took that sling and that stone and hit that giant right between the eyes, fell down to the ground. The Israelites saw it happen. His brothers were eyewitnesses, not just to that moment on the battlefield. No, his brothers were eyewitnesses when the prophet Samuel came to Jesse's house. And Samuel came with the instruction, you're going to anoint the next king over all of Israel. And when Samuel saw the oldest son, Eliab, and saw that he was six foot two and he was strong and athletic, all the sisters in the house were saying, yes, Lord, send him to me. Samuel said, that looks like a king right there. He's got the stamina of the king. He, he's got the position. He's got the popularity. He's got it all. But God spoke to him in 1 Samuel 16 and 7. He says, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. David was the one that Samuel would anoint. David was the one that that old prophet got the oil and began to pour it over his head and began to prophesy that you're the next king over all of Israel. David, you're going to be the one that's going to take the reins. You're going to be the leader of the army. You're going to be the ruler of the people. David, you are going to be different from all your brothers. You're going to be the one that sits on the throne. You're going to be the one that lives in the palace. You will be the king. It's about to turn now. Life's about to get a whole lot better. But now, he's looking around. He's not living in the palace. He doesn't have a royal residence. He's not eating fine foods or delicious delicacies. He's not hearing the songs being sung that Saul has slain thousands, but David has slain ten thousands. It's almost like the figment of his imagination. Did he ever hear that song to begin with? He's not being admired and adored. He's not being celebrated and cherished. He's not being waited on by the maids and the butlers. He's not getting to instruct the musicians and the singers. He's not enjoying the gardens and the orchards. No, David is all by himself. And he's doing one thing. He is crying and he is weeping. It's almost like I can see it in my mind. It's almost like I can imagine it. There is David away from the hustle and the bustle of the city, sitting in this cave with his head in his hands, and he is just crying uncontrollably. It wasn't ever supposed to be like this. I thought I'd be surrounded by friends. 
thought life would really be great by now. I thought I would be living in the palace wearing the garments of the king. I thought that everybody would be loving me. Thought I'd be surrounded by my kids, by my sons and my daughters. Thought I'd be having my family nearby and they'd be all be happy. But I'm all by myself. This is what he said. He said, I watered my bed with my tears. You want to talk about depressed? David knew what it was like to be depressed. You want to talk about being down? Oh, David could be a witness. I know what it's like to be down. I know what it's like to be so low. I don't think I'm ever going to get up. David knew firsthand. I thought I was about to give up. I was about to throw in the towel. I was about to wave the white flag of surrenderance. But in the book of Psalms, this was David's prayer. He said, but I'm going to trust in your loving kindness. And I'm going to rejoice. And I'm going to sing praise unto you. David said, I don't know why this is happening. I don't know why you have allowed this. I don't know why this trouble has came my way. But God, I trust in you that you're the author and you're the finisher of my faith. You are the alpha and you're the omega. You know the beginning from the end. So I'm going to praise you in this moment. And you know it's more than a cliche. You can really praise your way through the darkest of nights. You can praise your way through the longest of days. You can praise your way through agony and hurt and bitterness. You can praise your way through dis distress and depression and discouragement. You can praise your way in the worst of times. You can praise your way through job loss. You can praise your way through the deaths of loved ones. You can praise your way out of divorce court when you're thinking, I never thought this was going to happen to me. I never thought I would be here. I never thought I'd have to bury my wife. Never thought I had to bury my husband. Never thought I had to bury my children. It must have made such an impression that Solomon came in Proverbs 3 and 5. He said, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Solomon said it may not make sense in the moment, but if you just do not quit, but if you just put your shoulder to the plow, if you keep looking up, you may cry a little while. Tears may stream down your face. You may have to water your bed with all the Kleenexes that you've cried into, but oh, if you will not quit... I got a feeling there was somebody that was telling Solomon, if you just don't give up, son, if you just don't give up, I didn't think life would ever get better. But if we could have took David in that moment, if we could have fast-forwarded through time, and if we could have showed him, David, you won't always be living in a cave. David, you won't always be by yourself. David, you won't always be forgotten. No, David, there's coming a day you will be revered by musicians. David, there's coming a day you're going to be feared by politicians. You will be admired by theologians. 
You will be respected by historians. You will be loved by Christians. David, you got to know it, that you're not always going to weep because weeping doesn't endure forever. Weeping just endures for a night. You may have to cry right now, but I promise you with certainty that joy is going to come in the morning. Hey, can I let somebody know you won't always be where you're at now. You won't always shed the tears that you're crying now. You won't always go through the long days and the dark nights like you are now. There's coming a day that you may cry, but as long as you don't quit. See, Philippians 1 and 6, He that has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 13, he said, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Elbow your neighbor, say, You just got to make it. Come on, slap somebody upside the head and say, You just got to make it. Somebody felt the inspiration on that. Jesus said, He that endures to the end. See, Jesus came and it was going great when the blinded eyes were being opened. Oh, the multitudes were flocking when he began to touch the tongue and the ears of that deaf man and his ears were unlocked and his tongue was loosed and he began to speak for the very first time. That was the great moments. It was the moments when they sat down with five loaves of bread and two fish and Jesus began to break that bread and he began to multiply that fish and he took 5,000 people out to Red Lobster for a dinner. People's picking up the tab of Red Lobster. That's a good day. That's a good day. The biscuits were overflowing and you know people fight over them biscuits at Red Lobster. I just can't get any better. This is going good. People were devoting their lives to him. They were making disciples one right after another. I'll follow you, Jesus. I'll follow you, Jesus. I'll follow you, Jesus. But when it came towards the end, it didn't quite go like that. They started to drop like flies. In this moment, Jesus had to go for his three closest disciples, those who we could really trust, those who we could confide in. I need Peter. I need James. I need John. Those were the same three that walked up the mountain with me on Mount Transfiguration and saw my glory come down. Those were the same three that walked into that house with me when that little 12-year-old girl was laying lifeless. And I said, damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And we walked out of that house, and the girl was living and walking beside us. These were three that I knew would be by my side. Jesus says, I need you to come to the garden with me, the garden of Gethsemane, and I need you to pray. So they kneeled down to pray. They're praying and they're praying and Jesus notices that they're getting very quiet on their end of the prayer. He goes over to where they are and all three of them are sound asleep. Jesus wakes them up. 
says, I just need you to tarry with me for an hour. Just pray with me just a little while longer, but I really need you. Jesus kneels down to pray again, but after a little while, the same thing unfolds. He walks over and he sees Peter, James, and John, and they're sound asleep again. I don't know if they took too much melatonin the night before. Somebody had essential oils going in the garden, but they were asleep and they were not coming back. This time, he doesn't even bother waking them up. He goes back, kneels down to pray, and this time, tears begin to stream down. And he starts praying this prayer, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus knew what was getting ready to happen. I was about to be beaten and berated. Jesus knew I'm about to be rejected and reviled. He knew I'm about to be cuffed and crucified. They're going to smack me across the face. They're going to cuss me. They're going to mock me and shame me. They're going to whip me with the cat of nine tails. They're going to put nails in my hands and nails in my feet. They're going to place a crown of thorns on my head. They're going to give me vinegar to drink. They're going to pierce me in the side. They're going to embarrass me in public. Hang me up for the whole world to see. He said, Lord, let this cup pass from me. And he began to weep. And he began to cry uncontrollably. Matter of fact, the word of the Lord says he began to sweat as it were great drops of blood. It sure made Jesus cry in that moment. It sure made him weep in that garden. But I'm so grateful today that even though he cried, he did not quit. Even when he was hanging on the cross, he said, I could have called legions of angels to come down. I could have burned all them up. I didn't have to stay on that cross. But Hebrews 12 and 2 says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. The cross lasted for a night, but on that Sunday morning, joy came up. Aren't you thankful that weeping doesn't endure forever? Weeping doesn't last for eternity. Weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. We got to cry down here. The music's getting ready to come. We cry on this earth when trouble comes our way. We cry when we have to bury those who we love. We cry when we have to endure the sting of bitterness. And when people talk about us, we have to endure division and family drama. We have to endure the hardships and the heartache. Hey, David knew what it was like to have a son die in his arms as just a little baby. David could witness and say, I know what stillborn births are like. I know what miscarriages are like. David could witness and say, I know what it's like when your own family turns on you. When Absalom, my son, tries to take the king, uh, kingship from me, I know what it's like to feel like you're hiding in a cave. Weeping doesn't last forever. 
David said in Psalm 30 and verse number 2, he said, I cried unto thee. They were streaming down. But Revelation 21 and 4 gives us a promise that God is going to wipe away all tears from their eyes. There's an old song that said he didn't promise us it would be easy. Didn't promise us the cross wouldn't get heavy. Didn't promise us that we wouldn't have to go through situations, opportunities that would slip through our fingers, closing down buildings and closing down businesses. Never thought I would do it. But there's a promise that one day we're going to cry our last tear. And when he wipes away that tear, brothers and sisters and ladies and gentlemen, we will never cry again. And we're going to see him in that city where the lamb is the light. We're going to go to that place where there never comes a night. We're going to walk on that street of gold. And we're going to see the gates of pearl and the walls of jasper. We're going to go to that place where there's never any heartache And there's never any heartbreak. We're going to go to that place where there's no cemeteries and graveyards. We're going to that place where there's no hospitals and no chemotherapy treatments. We're going to that place where there's no war and there's no terrorism and there's no sickness and there's no disease and there's no pandemics and there's no endemics and there's no suffering and there's no sorrow. And when we see him, we're going to take the crown off our head and throw it at his feet. And if we could say anything, we'll probably say something like this. I sure did cry. Thank God I didn't quit. Oh, I went through some stuff that I thought was going to knock me out. Thought it was going to annihilate me, obliterate me. But because I didn't quit... We have an eternity to spend with you. I wonder today as every head is bowed and every eye is closed with nobody looking around. Friend of mine, you are not by yourself. You are not alone. You're not the first person to feel the sadness and the tears stream down. You're not the first one to feel like a failure. Not the first one to feel like all hope is lost. No reason to go forward. You're not the first one to go through a broken relationship and dysfunctional family. You're not the first one to go through heartache. But old friend, weeping endures for a night. But joy is coming in the morning. With every head bowed, every eye closed, would you open your heart? I see tears already streaming down so many faces. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, God, you know each and every individual. God, you know the thoughts that go through our mind when we lay our head on the pillow at night. God, you know. You know the thoughts that we can't share with anybody else. You've seen us in the lowest moments. God, you've heard us when we cried out to you and screamed out 
I just can't do it anymore. God, you were there through the thick and through the thin, through the ups and through the downs, through the highs and the lows, through the mountains and through the valleys. God, I pray that on this Sunday morning, you would wrap your arms of love around us. And would you assure us once again, it's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all when we get to see you in glory. Oh, could you stand with me all across the sanctuary? Head still bowed, eyes still closed. Is somebody today, would you step out of where you're standing and join me in an altar for a moment? Some have already come. If you felt like this message has ministered to you specifically, come on, why don't you come right now? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.